The world is full of complainers, but the fact is, nothing comes with a guarantee. I don't care if you're the Pope of Rome, the President of the United States, or even Man of the Year. Something can always go wrong. And go ahead, complain. Tell your problems to your neighbor. Ask for help. Watch him fly. Now in Russia, they got it mapped out so that everyone pulls for everyone else. That's the theory anyway. But what I know about is Texas, and down here, you're on your own. I'm Isaac Sims. I'm Olivia Clement. I'm Eric Pham. And I'm your producer, Walter Lyle. Today we are picking up our Flyover Essential Flyover, Flyover Essential Viewing series where we go watch, cover, and discuss movies that highlight the flyover country experience. In this case, the Badlands of Texas. For today's episode, we are covering the Coen Brothers' first feature film debut, Blood Simple, starring John Gates, Francis McDormand, Dan Hedaya. Is that how you say that? Dan Hedaya? I believe so. Cool. I should have looked that up before. My bad. (coughs) Emmett Walsh. Blood Simple has a very straightforward plot, but as often with many Coen Brothers films, the story includes many fun twists and turns to reach our final destination. The story is about the owner of a small-town Texas bar who finds out that his wife is having an affair. The bar owner then hires a P.I. to kill his wife and her lover. How about right. some uh, some background? Eric, you're leading this one. I think you had the opportunity to watch some some behind the scenes and special features um i'm really excited to get into this because this is this was filmed in 1984 is that correct yes i believe so and it's it's early 80s movie you can tell but it feels very much like a coen brothers movie um so i don't know do should should we like start with our overall impressions of this movie before we dive in Let's open it up to roundtable discussion. Olivia, Isaac, what did y'all think of the movie? Olivia. I, I, I really enjoyed it. So when this, so, so we picked this movie or this was something we voted for, right? Like, uh, I think Eric gave us a list of movies to pick from. And I think Walter and Isaac were just like, it doesn't matter. We'll pick whatever. And Eric, Eric had voted for this one. And after I looked at the list, I was like, I want to see this. I was very intrigued by this because um, I saw that it was a Coen brother movie and their movies are always really interesting. And then I saw that Francis McDormand was in it and man, I love Francis. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. I was intrigued by the storyline and after watching it, I was just like, holy, holy crap. Like there were, which is typical Coen brothers, uh, Coen brothers in um, it's typical in their movies that there are lots of twists and turns. And I, there were lots of times where I was like, this can't be happening. And it, and it was. And so just seeing that kind of unfold and seeing how crazy this, this story ended up being, it was, it was great. Uh, I love that this is their debut. Um, and, and, and really this is something that shows that the Coen brothers have been, pretty much like on the same level the entire the entirety of their career i don't i don't know if you guys would think that but that's a yeah that's a great way to 
to say it. Like, they, like yeah. yeah, they set the standard high for themselves in 84 with this movie, and they've just continued to, to be... As they've, like, kind of gone through different types of movies, all in all, they are at the same standard for every movie, it seems. Yep. I'm yep. really glad you enjoyed it, and this is our second Coen Brothers movie that we're discussing. Yep. We discussed True Grit before, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we're going to revisit them because Isaac had said before we were recording that, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, it was an important movie to him, and I can see that, of course, being a flyer movie as well. Um, and there are a couple other movies I thought about that would fit into this series. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is a great starter. This is their first film debut, like you had said, and we'll get into some of the, the background of that. There's some really cool um, trivia that I learned about while I was researching the movie. So um, we'll jump into that. And I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it with you. I was, uh, yeah, me and me and Eric were talking before we started recording about how um, we or I, I started the tragedy of Macbeth, the new um, Coen Brothers movie. Or I guess I, I guess it's just technically directed by Joel. Um, I guess. Did Ethan, y'all know Ethan? He retired from. Well, not he's taking like a a, a break from movies. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I knew like that they hadn't like, like taken an plays. acrimonious split or anything like that. But I knew that I was like, yeah, Joel Joel alone was involved in the tragedy of Macbeth and. Um, Married to Frances McDormand, mm-hmm. and power yeah, power, power couple. couple. And Tragedy of Macbeth looks incredible. I, I stopped halfway through because we um, we went to small group, um, and I might try to finish it tonight actually. But yes, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's funny because I'm looking at the Cohen Brothers uh, or Joel Cohen's filmography, which Ethan Cohen has credits on each of them as well. But I kind of pan over each of. Um, many of the movies that I've seen from them all have hearts like on my letterbox mm-hmm. to indicate like, nice. these are some of my favorite movies like true grit, a brother where art thou the big Lebowski, no country for old men. It's inside Lou and Davis Fargo. It's, it is, mm-hmm. inc- it is incredible. Olivia, you were so right on. Like they started hot and they didn't cool down. Like even mm-hmm. their people would say, I think that like hail Caesar is one of their more disappointing films and I haven't seen it. Um, but there's, there's this degree of, this degree of excellence that they have. That's you know what so you're fun with to talk Cone about. Brothers movies. You know, you're yeah. going to get an yeah. enjoyable movie with fun, quirky characters. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The, the thing that my family says all the time is, I don't want no fop. I'm a Dapper Dan man. <laughs> well, ain't this a, ain't this a geographical oddity? Two weeks away from everywhere. Like. Like I, I could probably so quote quotable. that entire movie. Yeah. I've seen it so many times. Yep. I love that that's a movie that your family loves too. Because that was a movie. Oh, Brother Where Art Thou was a movie that my family loved. Like, yep. uh, my my I remember my great uncle has. I don't know if he still does. I assume he does. But uh, he bought the soundtrack on CD, and we I remember being in the car with him all the time, <clears throat> and he would we would constantly listen to that soundtrack. Um, and. There, there's a part where uh, the kid, the kid is there, and they're talking about his mom, and the dad is like, "Well, his mom, you know, are you in an OFT?" And I reference that all the time. And, are you in an OFT? And, and no one, no one ever gets it. So I love that you guys also love. Have Over we never Arthur. talked about how? I don't think so. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I don't know when, how we uh, have Justin it. Justin and I got married. We were married for about a year, and I was like. 
man, I love this movie. I haven't watched it in forever. And she was like, we watched it like a ton growing up. And we like bonded <laughs> over it because we have pretty different tastes in movies. But nice. there's that. And then the, yeah, we just, when he, when they pick up the guy with the guitar and he's like, I just sold my soul to the devil. And Delmar is sitting there soaking wet because he just got <laughs> baptized. And George Clooney's like, looks like I'm the only one who's unaffiliated. <laughs> he's like driving the car. <laughs> All right, we we got to save this because obviously we have to do an Oh Brother Where Art Thou episode that's, now. That's yes. what I'm hearing. That's, yeah, it's so true. It's hard um, not to talk about it, but could sing the praise about yes. all of their movies. Uh, and we, quick we producers note, true, yeah. Quick producers note: Walter has chimed in and said his family also loves Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Nice, um, nice. There we go. Okay, so we we have to do we have yes, to do yes. one of those. Um, but we have done True Grit, um, an entire episode dedicated to that incredible movie. We mm-hmm. love that movie. We love Jeff Bridges. We love Haley Steinfeld, Matt Damon. Go listen to that episode if you like that movie. So, mm-hmm. um, Eric, why don't you take it away? Or I didn't. I guess I didn't oh, say yeah, what I on. thought I was, about. I was waiting for your thoughts, and um, we just talked about Blood Simple <laughs> for like five minutes. Blood Simple. <laughs> Blood Simple is a, is a true slow burn. That's what I told Walter yesterday because he was trying to decide whether or not to watch it with his wife, and. I said it's a true slow burn. It pays. It pays off, but you have to be patient, um, as opposed to a lot of. As we were joking a couple <laughs> days ago, Eric about a twenty four horror movies being <laughs> really truly boring, or, or some a twenty four horror movies being yes. truly boring, like not numb skull, like just totally numbingly boring, and them saying it's a slow burn. Like this movie pays off. It makes sense. It's it's incredibly acted, directed, produced, scored, every, almost every level. Um, and it's just cool seeing them operate with a lot less resources because yes. I hadn't yes. seen mm-hmm. I hadn't seen this movie before and this was their first. So that, yeah, that's that's a great call out because there's really no unimportant scene in this movie, which is um, in slow burn movies, bad slow burn movies. There's like just like empty scenes that don't contribute to the plot. Every detail you see on the screen, every little action a character does, it eventually adds to the plot and culminates into the finale. And you can kind of see how all the pieces fit together. And it's pretty incredible how the Coen brothers and everybody that worked on this movie were, were able to create this kind of story with like the limited budget and resources that you had mentioned, Isaac, with it being mm. their first movie. So. Yep. So, um, I'm glad y'all both enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot as well. Um, Eric, how many times have you seen this movie? This was, was my first watch. First watch. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. Um, I owned the Criterion for <laughs> I don't know how long, and it was collecting dust. And that's why I really wanted to watch it. One of my New Year's resolu- resolutions is to finally watch some of the movies I own. <laughs> so, this is hopefully... Off to a good start. Yes. Off to a, a good start with this. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm a... Big fan of the Coen Brothers. Big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've watched that movie probably twenty or thirty times. Um, not exaggerating. Um, so I'm really glad that we we're able to watch this together and discuss on the podcast. So before we jump into some of the more discussion, we have quick background on the movie. It was directed and written by Joel and Ethan Coen. This was their first movie together. Um, I think they had. I don't think. I think they did like some shorts before this, but this mm-hmm. was their first feature-length movie. The cinematography was done by Barry Sonnenfeld and is one of the standout parts of the movie. Um, I don't know if they did anything after 
this with Barry. I think uh, they were frequently collaborated with Roger Deakins mm-hmm. um, a lot in their later movies. Um, the cast, of course, Olivia named all them off. And another fun fact is there's a Chinese remake of this movie called A Simple Noodle Story, directed by one of Chinese China's greatest film directors, Zhang Yimou. Um, I did not know that movie existed, but that's huh. one I'm going to have to watch now. And a, and we'll go into some of this background behind this, but a lot of film critics in the film circle <coughs> say this is the greatest independent film ever made. Um, wow. There's a, a there's the really cool story about the way that the Coens raised the uh, the funding for this movie. They had. I think they had kind of a relationship with Sam Raimi and Sam Raimi had helped them come up with the ideas to, uh, to fund this movie. And they made like a, a short trailer where Bruce Campbell played, um, the character of Emmett Walsh. No, he played Dan Hedaya's character. The, and he's like laying on the road in front of the car, that famous scene when Mm -hmm. he's like, when he's Mm -hmm. trying to get rid of the body and Bruce Campbell is playing that laying on the ground and they shot that trailer and they were and they marketed that trailer around to raise funding to produce and make the movie. So, um that's a little a cool little piece, fun fact. Um and it's just incredible how this movie, I had no idea that it was such made with such limited resources until I started reading on it after I had watched it. Um, mm-hmm. I was watching I was like, wow, this is pretty incredible and it was shot on like a shoestring budget, so Mm-hmm. And it it also has a fantastic cast. Like, yes. yep. like I mean, this was uh, Frances McDormand's first role, but I, I mean, clearly she she went on to be very successful. But also Dan Hedaya, like that dude has been in a lot of stuff. Yes. Um, he is in one of my all time favorite movies, Clueless. Oh. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh has been that dude has been in everything. Like I know when that guy shows up on a on on a movie or like in a movie I know it's gonna be good even if it's like kind of a, a maybe cheesy kids movie like he was in uh snow dogs with Cuba Gooden Jr um but even then like it's a good movie and so like you know you know you're in for a treat when that guy shows up and so just the cast itself is so good and it's kind of amazing that they were able to to shoot this movie on a shoestring budget and have this cast and also like even even with the limited budget it still didn't feel like it was a limited budget yes they, yeah they definitely like made the most out of everything they had there was um on one of the the Criterion Blu-ray, there's a special feature where Joel, Ethan, and Barry they rewatch the movie and commentate it. And oh, that's cool! It was really cool. And this was, I think, this they shot this in 2016 um, at some film festival where they had rewatched it, and they were talking about like right off the bat, they were talking about how um, they couldn't afford a, afford a plane ticket for everyone to fly down to Texas to shoot it, and that Ethan Cohen was like really the only one on set um, because he said. Joel said that Ethan knew the camera, how the camera worked better than he did. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's just crazy how they really came from true humble beginnings mm-hmm. and they were able to create their vision in their first movie. And that vision has not really wavered in any of their movies since then. Mm-hmm. He, so the, the Cohen brothers are from Minnesota. Is that correct? 
I don't know that. I don't know. I think they are. Anyway, hey, anyway. hey, Walter, can you look up yeah, to see where the Cohen brothers are, are from, please? I'm I wanted it. to. I wanted to know where they're from, but also uh, Barry Sonnenfeld before. So he famously directed all of the Men in Black movies. That's right. Um, yeah. And but before that, he was cinematography. Uh, he's credited for cinematography on When Harry Met Sally, Misery, Raising Arizona, Big, Miller's Crossing. Um, okay. so which was another a Coen couple brothers. of other yeah they did like he did like two or three more Coen Brothers movies after that. <laughs> yeah so he and I didn't know that he like I mean when when Harry Met Sally is one of my favorite movies it's so mm-hmm. it's so yeah. good it great. looks great incredible it's like the most beautiful New York city I've ever seen in a movie um, I didn't and I was like oh man like I didn't know that he was an early collaborator collaborator with them so right i i don't think they started working with roger deakins until the big lebowski um but i could also be very mistaken on that Um, but yeah barry that has a pretty incredible resume you just named off yeah joe real quick joel and ethan cohen were born and raised in st louis park minnesota suburb of minneapolis nice okay that's what i thought um you are welcome Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Walter, for being a good producer. The best producer. Yes, sir. John Getz is also, like, I didn't realize how much, how prolific he's been as well. Like, he's been in, uh, he was in Social Network and Zodiac and The Fly. And he, Yeah, he plays one of the lawyers defending or representing Andrew Garfield, him and Rashida Jones. Oh, okay. Um, they're at that, like, long table. Yeah. Um, while Eduardo is fighting Mark Zuckerberg for the rights yep. over Facebook. Yeah, he's he's great in this. I, th- he was probably my favorite character. Um, mm-hmm. So on the topic of of characters, th- there aren't in many Coen Brothers movies. There's you think there's a redeemable character, then each character has their obvious flaw or weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. There's not really a likable character. A character that you root for probably i guess francis mcdormand um but even then yeah. yeah extramarital affairs i mean the guy seems like the her husband seemed like a nice guy until um he he obviously is hiring a private investigator to spy on her so is he really that great of a guy right so not only to spy on her but to then kill her and kill and her lover yeah, and and I was the the way this movie starts off, I was like, wait, is this really a Coen <laughs> Brothers movie? Because I, I'm like, I, I I was having trouble pinpointing where this was gonna go, mm-hmm. um, the first fifteen twenty minutes, and I was like, oh, okay, this is where it's gonna go, um, when um, he hires the the PI, I forgot his name already, uh, to go kill Francis and John Visser, yes, yeah, um. Who so, who was the opening quote of this episode? Yes, is, yes. which is and that's how Blood Simple opens as well. Right, right. <clears throat> um, so let's back up to the cinematography because most of this movie is shot at night. I'm trying to think. There's like maybe two scenes, two or three scenes where it's actually in daytime and it's not mm-hmm. that long. Um, I think the scenes that were in the bar were like with i think olivia this is something you sent with like the neon lighting but there's the bar signs and uh the way that the bar is lit 
and the music plays mm-hmm. um, in those scenes where they're in that bar um, are just very fun to look at. Yeah. And that sounds very, very simple and uh, basic to say, but I said. Well, so I think, I don't know, I'm always a, a sucker for a good soundtrack, and I can't remember what the song is that plays when they're in the bar that uh, Maurice, the bartender, yeah. mm-hmm. I think he might be the only redeemable character. That's right, that's right. Um, but whatever song he puts on the jukebox, like that, I was like, okay, I'm in. This is like, this is a groovy song. I'm, I'm very pulled into this like that that feels like the type of bar i would want to go to right on a friday night or saturday night um and something this has nothing to do with cinematography necessarily but i just want to throw this in there because i think it's it it like i had to pause it when it happened so you know how they would have the like the outside shot of the bar and you would see the like cow yes it with a sign Mm -hmm. There was, so in my hometown of Duncan, Oklahoma, there was a cow that looked exactly like that, <laughs> that had, that had a big, uh, good nurse was the name of the, the mm-hmm. store that it was in front of. And when that store went out of business, that family, the good nurse family opened up a barbecue place. And so the cow moved over there and nice. it just, I was like, I've, I didn't know those, there was more than one. What if it's the same one? I have no idea if it's the same one, but Honestly, now that you said that's that, pretty cool. It yeah. It does look like a very familiar cow. No, yeah like i just it just threw me off because i was like i haven't thought about that cow in years and then here i am watching this movie from the 80s and i see this this good nurse cow uh out in front of the, the bar um it just it really threw me off but anyway that has nothing to do with cinematography but the way that it was shot and filmed but also those those outside shots of the bar were were really cool shots i thought yes yep the there's there's that that scene that we're talking about where you first see Maurice and he's coming into or no he he jumps off the bar oh yeah yeah he walks, walks across it. walks across the bar yeah. the camera's following his feet both to the jukebox and back from the jukebox great loved yeah, it yeah so very, cool very cool very inventive you could tell it's like you know what let's try this and it worked but in a great way you know what i mean yeah yeah i was like what i was like i i I don't think i've ever seen a shot like that Mm -hmm. um and olivia you mentioned it yeah the music was just the the icing on the cake i was like okay this is this is very cool and not something i would have expected honestly from like a first first coen brothers movie right so um and there's that setting is the the bar is probably one of the primary settings of the movie um it's where a lot of the action takes place um and then there's of course uh john Getz's house um which is there's some very so some of the scenes at john Getz's house it, it feels like it comes from like a horror movie with how yeah Emmett no Walsh's i'm so glad you said that yeah he yeah he comes in there i was like i was like that is very interesting the way that it was shot it it definitely had mm-hmm. like horror vibes to it and then i read and found out that sam raimi actually kind of invi- advised them on how to shoot some of the scenes during that sequence specifically the scene where um john gets 
uh, is out in the lawn and he is shooing off Francis McDormand's husband. They use like a, a hand, a handy cam, shaky cam is what they call it. And they got that directly from Sam Raimi and how evil dead was shot. So, yes. So, so the scene, and I know exactly what you're, what scene you're talking about. Um, and just minor correction. I think it's when he grabs, um, Francis McDormand's, or he, he grabs Oh, yes, Abby, you're right, you're right. Yes. And right. he's like, he's like yeah. pulling her outside. Yes. The camera just seems to fly up onto right. both of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And the, the Sam, and, and I was like, that looks like Evil Dead. That had, yeah. they had to have like got that from Raimi or like maybe they did it first and Raimi did it later. Mm-hmm. Um, but Evil Dead came out, I think in 78. Yes. or 79 yeah, so it was like 70s. several years before blood simple and that scene that they were clearly inspired by um they Raimi got a got a cam on a uh, like fixed to a bike he rode it down a hill through the house where evil dead is set and rode it all the way up till he was right on bruce campbell's face and what actually happens is Bruce Campbell turns around. It's supposed to be like the evil spirit of the forest, like mm-hmm. coming yeah, up yeah. on him. And it's right at the end of the movie. And Bruce Campbell turns around and like screams. And then the movie ends. But what happened is Sam Raimi slammed into him and the camera like broke his nose. I'm pretty sure. Wow. It, it like, oh at, my least, like bruised, at least bruised his face. I know, but that it like knocked into him. They all fell down. But um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I've I've talked about how I love Evil Dead um, on this podcast before, but w- that scene I was like, "That's Evil Dead!" Like they had yeah. to have like had there's some connection with Raimi, right? It, so I got they really di- excited when I yeah, saw that. Yeah, they directly called out Sam Raimi and Evil Dead for it, inspiring and pretty much creating that scene for them. So um, that is that was really one of the standout scenes for me, and of course the other one. I loved and it's typical it's like a Cohen brothers staple now is the body disposal mm-hmm. um, yeah. when uh, John Getz's character is disposing of Francis Dorman's husbands and I'm terrible with names so I'm just saying the actors yep and Marty, Marty Marty is her husband's name yes. Marty's body and that scene goes on for 30 minutes and there's not a single word spoken yeah, that, that was the scene. That was the scene or the segment, I guess. That s- sequence. I apologize. Uh, that was where I was most challenged to stay engaged. And the more I've reflected on it, and sorry, Olivia, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, you're good. I I think that it's worth noting how the Coen Brothers really all of their movies are really about like normal people who talk a big game, but when it comes down to it, they usually can't measure up to their own expectations. That's what I really love about their movies. Um, Inside Lewin Davis, Oscar Isaac's character reacts some way. A Brother Without George Clooney's like has to reconcile with the fact that he's a disappointment to himself. Um, in True Grit, Maddie is like all tough. And she's, and again, she's interesting because she's a girl and she's a little girl at that. And she ends up actually like shooting Josh Brolin. So, um, that scene, the more I've reflected on it with him trying to take care of the body there, like three times where he almost kills him and he, all, and then finally he ends up just burying him and it's really, really horrifying and sad. And, 
uh, Ray or Marty pulls out the gun, you think he's going to be able to shoot Ray because you saw earlier that there were three bullets in there. Um, and then he ends up not, and he ends up just burying him alive and it's really terrible. (laughs) And what's crazy is all of that happens at night and then the scene ends and it's daylight and you find out he just buried it in someone's farmland. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. I wouldn't that when like as the sun was rising, I was I you could see the the tire marks, right? Yeah. The, the tire tracks in the 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 field and I was just thinking, imagine being that poor farmer who who plowed all of that land probably the day before and has to go out there and and see some yahoo has like just driven through his field and and then he he probably is the one who ends up finding the body just that poor farmer you know um i was gonna ask though uh eric you said that that there was no spoken dialogue for like 30 minutes and 13 13 13, Mm -hmm. my bad um it felt like 30 minutes because it was it was so quiet but i was wondering and I can't remember this because I watched it Sunday a couple days before we recorded this. Was there any like score during that that time? Like I remember it's like the the sound of the cars and so that kind of thing. But was there score? Yes, I think there was. Yeah. Okay. I was just uh, curious. I think there's just like instruments playing. Um, but it's really I think that scene is just showing that Ray I've, and it's something that Isaac touched upon is Ray is completely out of his element mm-hmm. and just scrambling to save Francis McDormand um, from at the time he thought that she had killed Marty. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's what the that point of that scene is. And I think it, it's just mind blowing to me that it went for on for 13 minutes, but it felt like longer than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was and really I think that's one of the yeah. standout scenes to me. And it's funny too, because like I, it, it's one of those movies where I, I rarely put myself in the, well, I don't want to say that. Um, this movie makes you, makes you walk a mile in its character's shoes because I'm thinking like, I would have just like not touched that body, like when yeah, so, absolutely, so I would have thrown it in the incinerator. Well, yes, that or that, <laughs> like because because Visser. Visser's role in this whole movie is really interesting because he gets hired to take pictures, first of all. Then he gets hired to kill them. And something interesting about his character is you you realize, um, so like he he doctored the photos of them sleeping to make it look like he had killed them. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking he could have doctored the photos or he could have killed them. At this point, we don't know. And then he shoots Marty and you're like, okay, maybe he's like going to make a clean break now that he has this $10,000 and just leave town. And then he leaves his, uh, cigarette lighter there that says man of the year <laughs> on it. <laughs> Got to be so more careful. Cool. I love that. Love that. And, touch. um, he then, and then that eventually leads him back to try to kill, um, successfully kill Ray and attempt at killing Abby. And you you realize like, why would he not kill these two people that he was paid to kill, but then kill the guy who hired him? It just makes you think, it makes you wonder like, 
does he have some kind of moral compass? Because he's really the one, if you think about it, who is driving the narrative of the of the story in terms of yeah. like he has the opening line about like you got to fend for yourself. Like no one's going to help you. Um in Russia, like they get paid 50 <laughs> cents a day, you know, he's saying stuff Great like that. Point. It's just really interesting and then no, and then yeah. eventually he ends up meeting his demise at Abby's hands in a very fitting and, ending final yes. girl sort of uh conclusion, but I just it's re- this movie's really complicated in the the character motivations are really complex and it's for, really incredible. For a right? ninety minute movie, you get more out of these characters than the two and a half hour movies that you normally get this day and age. Yep. So yeah, I I never th- I thought about I actually I think I did think about why did Emmett Walsh's character decide to kill off Marty and not the couple. Yep. And I don't know what ultimately came of that thought, but that was because that because you well. realize later, like he's not above killing two innocent people because he ends up killing Ray and trying to kill Abby because he he's like, oh, you have evidence, so I got to cover my tracks. He's not above it, but it's like, well, why did he make that decision in that moment? That's what's really interesting to me about about him his character. So, so. Let's talk about Frances McDormand's character because I think we've really touched on everybody except her. Um, what y'all think about her character, her performance? Of course, it's Frances McDormand. I don't think she's ever had a bad performance. So true. Yeah, no, I, I don't know anything I've ever seen her in. She's been incredible. So once again, she's incredible in this. I The character of Abby is really interesting because it's like, why... <laughs> why are you sleeping with the with one of your husband's bartenders like what like i want to know i i think there has to be some something well, that ray is very good looking when compared to marty. i mean like marty sure. is out <laughs> is batting out of the park with abby sure no That's i agree true. with you i agree with you ray is is much more attractive than marty uh also <laughs> i don't know if you guys noticed this but this is something i noticed um the amount of body hair on these two men, especially <laughs> oh, yeah. Marty, 100%. I was like, oh, my, is he wearing a fur? No, that's his body hair. And just to like, that would never happen. There would never be that much body hair in a movie that comes out today on a, like ever, but especially on a, on a man. It's just like, that would not happen unless like, even, even if he had been on a, deserted island for months and months like that guy would still have like a very clean chest it was just very funny to me (laughs) anyway uh i wanted to make that little side note but yeah i like like i don't know i don't think marty was as good of a guy i'm not saying it's okay that that abby cheated on him but it doesn't seem like he was like super good to her anyway and he kind of seemed Kind of like a douchebag. I mean, really. Um, I don't know. That that was my thought on on. I like I I was interested by Abby, but I again, like Eric, you said, there wasn't a like there wasn't really anyone to root for because they're all very flawed. Yes. Which maybe maybe that's that's a lot kind of, of the beauty the, of it, right? And is I, that, that that is a lot that is. A, there's no clear protagonist in the Coen Brothers world. Um, 
you think you have someone that you pull for, but then you realize, oh, you start pulling for Abby. Well, she cheated on her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, you pull for Ray, and you're like, oh, Abby's the person that she is cheating on with. Um, so that that is just something I think that the way that they write their characters is, and that shows that all everyone is flawed. Like there is no mm-hmm. perfect character or perfect person. So right. I think is is just is just I can't. It it goes back to, I, the way that this movie is written is just I can't get wrap my head around that it's their first movie, mm-hmm. and first screenplay that they ever did. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the the beauty of the, the Cohen brothers and their characters is that they're always flawed, right? Like, I, I you can pick any character from any movie that is, the main character. Um, excuse me, or one of the one of the main characters, and and they're all very flawed in some way, but so so are we, right? So is everyone else, and so I think that that's kind of the, the beauty of it, um, for me at least, is seeing. Yeah, Abby cheated on her husband. That's that's not cool. Um, not cool. But, also, but also, I gotta I gotta side with Abby out of everyone, kind of yeah. reiterating what y'all said because she women have this instinct about bad men and she married a man who was willing to hire a PI to kill her. And she ended up figuring that out. So I don't know. Yeah. Listen, I, I tell my clients all the time, especially my female clients who are in really bad relationships, trust your gut. Uh, and it it seems like Abby was trusting her gut, uh, leaving that relationship with Marty. Cause clearly I, you know, I, I've heard lots of really uh, hor- like horrible things about relationships, and some some of them I'm like, yeah, that person might might kill kill them. Uh, but those people got out of those relationships, thankfully, right? So so he, I mean, clearly Marty was willing to to have Abby and Ray killed, even though, dude, if you're gonna kill someone or hire someone to kill it, do it yourself, man. Man up. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Just, just my thought. Like, if I'm going to do it, I, I'm going to do it. Because I'm not going to trust someone else to screw that up for me. But as Donald Trump said, very good advice, honestly. <laughs> don't leave a paper trail. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, really, don't yeah. leave the paper trail. And <laughs> and he did. And then freaking Visser left a paper trail. He, he dummy, left, a, left. Left his lighter. Yeah. Man of the year. I, I love I love that it says yeah, man of the year on it. That was like, such oh a gosh. great touch. Um that I guess evolved to the Big Lebowski man of the year. The dude. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's looking in the <laughs> mirror. Yeah. Uh, I uh, yeah, I think I don't know who my favorite character is. It's probably Ray because I mean, she he is obviously um cheat or Abby is cheating on Marty with Ray, but he, I mean, he has Abby's heart at like, that is his priority, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like everything he does is for her. So I guess that's kind of a redeemable trait. Um, but I love that scene where they're sleeping and she's talking about how like she would tell him like, how come I'm the, like, why am I the crazy one? And I go to my psychiatrist and he tells me that I'm totally sane. And then you fire my psychiatrist and it's like the middle of the night. And he's like, 
do you ever sleep? <laughs> he just like is like, can we please? And she's like, no, not much, really. <laughs> and then they end up going to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, the ending shootout scene, the finale of Marty trying to. Well, he successfully kills Ray. Unfortunately, I was heartbroken when he he got shot because um, that was who I was pulling for. And then there's that final confrontation between Marty, or not Marty, um, with the Lord, Visser. Visser, Visser, Visser's character mm-hmm. and Abby, where it is like another horror scene. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see the Coen brothers do a straight up horror movie. Yeah, that would that would be fun. Because um, you definitely get like the way that the violence is portrayed in their movies, you do, you get snapshots of it, mm-hmm. um, of the yep. way that they're able to create these dread, dreadful scenes in like one minute increments. Um, Eric. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on the, the final shootout? I thought it was awesome because I had no idea that it was going to start with Visser sniping off of a rooftop of another building. Yeah, that was um, cool. I was like, okay, so we are going there for this movie. And um, the way that was shot was really great. And this goes back to the horror, the horror um, elements that we've talked about. When Visser is chasing after Frances McDormand, there's that one scene where she like juts her hand or his hand in the window then like oh, stabs yeah. it full on. I was yep. like, holy, like, yeah, that, I was not expecting really, that at really all. thrilling because <laughs> that was that was like completely out of the 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 tone of the movie. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this this is great, and um, it really felt like a, uh, an ending to a final girl horror movie mm-hmm. um, with Frances McDormand ultimately surviving at the end. What do? Do we want to consider this a final girl? I mean, I feel like it meets all the qualifications. It definitely does. Um, she she is the final girl. She gets it on with Ray, <laughs> which is a signature trope of horror movies. True. And the final girl. <coughs> Although oh, no. Jamie no, Lee no. didn't have that happen. Yeah, she didn't. Or she or Sigourney. That's right. But I think since then that has become the trend. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was just amazing, and I'm I'm so glad that Frances McDormand was able to do this movie, and it it was really the great launching point to her career because she's just done so many iconic roles, and now that after seeing this, I'm, this might be one of my favorite ones. Um, of course, next to Transformers. Um, <laughs> Naturally, of course. Yes. Got it. Got to talk about it. That. Um, but what'd y'all think about it? Isaac, go ahead. I am going to change the subject real quick because I took some notes. Um, there, there's a scene where he's driving. I, I guess he has him in the car, and then he freaks out, stops the car. Okay, okay, real, real the quick, right there. It? Yeah. So, well, before that. He stops the car and he's freaked out and he jumps out and like just runs away mm-hmm. because I guess he heard him move in the back seat, right? Yep. 
Yeah. And then when he comes back, the door's open, he's gone, and it's this clear his class is like, Oh, this dude still alive. This dude is still alive. And then after that, he's driving back. I think this is when it happens, and the or maybe it's on the way when this happens. He turns the radio on and there's a there's a radio preacher. That's before and yes, yes. That's before? Yes. Yeah. And it's John six eighteen and he says, uh, a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. And he's, it's basically like when Jesus was out, he walked on water out to the disciples. Sim, symbology there, or symbolism there. Sim, I like symbology better. Symbology? Yeah. Uh, symbology is a term I use at work. I don't think it's the correct term here. It's, it's a study. It's the study of symbolism. So oh. not what I was going for, but the I completely thought that was a made up word. The sim- I just made that the up. symbolism. It was I, Tom I'm Hanks' not- job in uh uh oh my gosh, what was that movie based on the book? Uh Da Vinci oh, Code. Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Oh. Said it first. I said it first. <laughs> okay. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> anyway, yeah, symbolism there because this is like true south um radio preachers at night and then also neighborhood representation, the scenes with um, with Ray's house, it's mm-hmm. like that looks like the like the neighborhood I grew up in, and I'm sure like it lo- it looks a lot like Fort Smith, like all of these subdivisions in mm-hmm. the South all look the same, and it's like man, that looks like my neighborhood. So I oh, love and the, the, and the the sorry, Eric, go ahead. How, you, and you might be saying it. I love the co- little comedic bit where every, when everyone is shoot off from Ray's house, they turn to ri- right into the cul-de-sac. But it's really yeah, right. that's what I was yeah, going to say. Yeah, they turn around and come back the same way. <laughs> Mar- so, yeah, yeah, I think it Marty, happens twice. And the second Marty time, like, drives oh, down the cul-de-sac, and Ray goes, uh, "I'd love to see the look on his face when he realizes he drove down into the cul-de-sac." Yeah. Which, like, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I've ever driven. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been like mad driving down a cul-de-sac. But once I figure out like I took a wrong turn, I'm in a cul-de-sac. It just it is it's so irritating, and so I can only imagine having that very intense confrontation with my ex and you know their the person they cheated on me with, and then having to to just awkwardly (laughs) drive past them again. Uh, just embarrassing. Like. That's just so embarrassing. In any so other movie, they would have just turned left, and we would not have gotten the cul-de-sac comedic bit. Or they would have like gone up on into the other person's yard as they're trying to do a U. <laughs> yeah. So, put <laughs> right back in the mailbox. Yeah. 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 The another uh, got to give a shout out to crickets because at one point yes. I thought there were bugs in my house, and I paused oh. the movie, and I was like, nope, it's just the movie. It's just like really, really loud crickets which i honestly like i love yeah no i love that you said that because it sound it it sounds like you know oklahoma or arkansas on a summer night right like it sounds like those nights where you would leave the windows open not i mean not now because people don't do i mean i guess people some, some people do that i don't leave the windows open at night but yeah what are you crazy left the door unlocked to his okay yeah, that was that's, that's a big that's a big southern thing like yes, yeah he just yeah. didn't leave his door unlocked this dude's not gonna come kill me right. it's yeah it's an 80s thing and it's a southern thing yep, and exactly. that was one of my uh 
I had, I had to, I was always the last one in college to go to bed because my roommates would just leave the door unlocked. And I'm like, we are a bunch of like women and not to say that we can't handle ourselves, but on the offhand chance that like a group of men come in and try to assault us, I I would like to have the door open or the door locked, not open. And I, they didn't understand why I was so paranoid about that. I'm like, they're yeah. not, they're like, nothing's going to happen. We live in, in Conway. I'm like, uh, things happen in Conway all the time. I, what are you guys talking about? Uh, yeah. Anyway. I've been on the West side of Conway. We, <laughs> I was talking with Jess the other day and I was like, do you like the sound of cicadas? And she was like, not really. Like, I, I think it's just loud and kind of annoying. And for me, cicadas and crickets are like, not, not even joking. Like some of my favorite sounds like to listen to like just just especially cicadas usually it's like i think it's associated with you know summer and like Mm -hmm. having fun and staying up late and you know getting into shenanigans with friends but uh i didn't like actually put a finger on that until like last like a couple months ago i was like i love that noise Mm -hmm. and same with crickets so yeah no i i agree with you it it just reminds me of of summer and spending time with friends and like especially in like high school when i i would do stuff like we would uh go play ultimate frisbee on the football field Mm -hmm. eric did you ever play with us i did not no okay well i'm sorry you weren't invited um (laughs) i wasn't invited i was just like nah then they just okay (laughs) okay cool glad you were invited but just he was too cool it's fair it was uh, the chillest the chillest member it was actually a lot of my friend circle played yeah there was it was really popular when we were in high school but i i like think about that the most of like summer nights going and playing ultimate frisbee on the football field which is weird that that wasn't locked and like closed off to the public but people would go over there all the time i would go on uca's football field every once in a while oh really Mm -hmm. yeah it was unlocked i climbed up on the uh on the scoreboard one time (laughs) Are you serious? Do you yeah. have a picture of that? No, I was I was oh. with an ex I was with an ex girlfriend. It was fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But also, Eric, remember when you dropped uh, golf balls off of the uh, <laughs> school bus? <laughs> yeah, that's a classic memory. That's high school. Eric, that's like my favorite thing. Uh, like I like remember that about you, and I'm like, oh, Eric, so cool. I I thought about that the other day. Actually, that's probably one of the best stories yeah. I've ever heard. From anyone. Yeah, going back and thinking about that, that could have turned out terribly for a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. Namely the uh, school district of Fort Smith. (laughs) I think I speak for everybody when I say we, I want to hear the full story on this one. Oh, Walter, you don't even know that. This was was pre-Walter. Do the the listeners know it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Tell it again for for new people slash me. I guess it's a fan favorite. Um, (laughs) We, uh, so I was on the golf team back in high school, and we would play in matches across the state, and um, we would take the school bus to and from the destinations. And uh, one of the shenanigans that we would do is while we were on the interstate, we would just roll the window down and drop golf balls out the side of the window while we were on the interstate and see if it could or would dodge <laughs> cars that were also on the interstate. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unfortunately... We did not. <laughs> we did not eat cars. It's so okay. hard to imagine you doing that, like right yeah. now as an adult. Yeah, going back at it, 
Um, <laughs> it was definitely the crowd of people that I hung out with that dragged mm-hmm. me into those shenanigans. Um, yeah, okay. that makes sense. I, I feel like golf is typically associated with like rich upper class like people you know like that's the sport Mm -hmm. that like upper class people who are like well to do but i don't i've never seen a group of golfers who were not like super rowdy oh i know it's uh well um you know Paige mccain oh Paige mccain is one of my favorite people in the entire world and that kid well like, like man that kid is so rowdy but she is also one of the best people in the entire yeah, world she, she is pretty incredible i've known her since very my my young childhood days um i don't think she was on those trips um i think she might have rode on a different bus um but yeah that she I, i'm just glad no one got hurt <laughs> yeah yeah Paige is also also one who's like always up for anything yeah she's she's incredible so she's she's the best i don't know if Paige listens to this but if you do Paige, just know we, we love, love you very much yes we love you Paige. um so that um, that is the story uh, i don't even know where we were at before that we, <laughs> that's my bad i talking, made you get off uh, track no, cicadas. About, uh, cicadas and crickets <laughs> But, oh, it um, reminds us of the good old high school days. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh right, right. another. this is like my last ob- little observation about this movie. So I, lo- I love when movies show their characters just like dripping sweat the whole time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen very much anymore. Most famously recently, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock sweats like <laughs> it, so much throughout <laughs> right. those movies. And he's not hot or glamorous. He's just like sweating and like stumbling around and like eating stuff um everybody's really sweaty in this movie except the famous scene where um marty is crawling on the ground on the road and julian's like dragging the shovel towards him and in the headlights marty's breathing and you can clearly see his breath which means it has to be like pretty cold outside So I'm like, I was confused about like what time of year this was because in the morning it looks pretty warm and people are sweating. And so I was like, That's right. I don't know what time of year. So I, I just pay attention to this weird stuff like that. Kinda yeah, like but how, uh, that's a good yeah. call out though. But also think about how many times you have to wear a sweater to work in the mornings. But by the time it's two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon, it's a million degrees. And you're like, I... I wish I was wearing like shorts and a t-shirt. So maybe, yeah, no, it is like very accurate this depiction of uh, weather in the South for sure. Yep. yep. Well, um, any final thoughts on the movie before we wrap up here? I think we're coming up on time. Um, uh, Isaac, Olivia. Um, I could keep going for like an hour, but uh, <laughs> when, when Visser <laughs> says to Marty, when he realizes that, uh, or so, Abby broke in that in the altercation with the Evil Dead esque shot. Abby breaks Marty's finger, mm-hmm. and he gets a he gets it set. And uh, Visser says, "Stick your finger up the wrong person's ass." <laughs> like it's the most <laughs> obnoxious thing. But it, I also like just died laughing whenever he said it. And then when he's walking up to find Visser, this teenager is like, "Hey, Mister, how'd you break your pussy finger?" <laughs> yes. which is you know something like some freaking snot-nosed teenager would say some some crap like that just just to piss him off 
It's very it, authentic dialogue. Is yeah. How describe it. I think my favorite line from the movie was, or the favorite little like comedic bit was when Maurice confronts Ray and is like, "Hey, what's going on?" And Ray's got a cigarette in his mouth, and Maurice takes it and goes, "Uh, these are coffin nails." And like that, I've never heard yeah. them referred to as coffin nails, but now that's, that's all I'm going to refer to yeah. cigarettes as. And then, and then he takes that same cigarette and puts it in his in his mouth and lights it, um, which is like typical. I feel like everyone who smokes cigarettes is like, you shouldn't smoke cigarettes, but then they continue to smoke cigarettes themselves. Um, yes. But I thought that was a great line. Yeah, movies so. just make smoking cigarettes look very cool. When in reality, make they, they are yeah, cool. They make it look so cool. Yeah. I, I, got, yeah. I got to come up with the list, the, the coolest characters to smoke cigarettes on screen. Um, I think John, John Hamm has got to be like in the top five. Oh, he, he does smoke yeah. a good cigarette. Watching Mad Men made me want to smoke. I was like, <laughs> I was like God, these like people half, are so hot, and I want to like smoke a cigarette. Isn't like half of that movie just take place within tobacco smoke? Yes, they're they're yes. just they're smoking constantly. I've, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as like final thoughts of the movie, though, I I really enjoyed this movie. I'm glad that we watched it. Uh, I don't think I realized Frances McDormand was a final girl, but I'm really glad that we came to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. And. I know we've said it, but man, what a debut for the Cohen brothers, like really knocked it out of the park and continued to just keep the hits coming. Uh, I, this movie was only like an hour and a half. And I know that we've, we've all talked about how we, we love the, the 90 minute movie. And Eric, you said this, not a single scene was wasted. And I think that, that it takes a really like special director set of directors to to do that i think it's really hard to to be completely like use every scene well and i think that they did that yeah absolutely and uh i think if i was gonna describe this movie poorly i'd just say that um this is um just a, a movie about how important communication is yeah in relationships <laughs> because this movie is like the letterbox synopsis is just like uh leads from one miscommunication to another and then yeah everyone dies nice. <laughs> no i'm glad how you found the, the deep hidden meaning in the plot because i never i didn't even think about that um yeah but, because she's like wait wait what happened mm-hmm. i y'all did y'all have an argument or something mm-hmm. and he's like no he's like dead like i buried him in a field yeah, there's like 15 minutes i'm like ray dude just spill the beans why are you not telling abby what the hell <laughs> yeah, is going exactly. on like you can yeah. like you can talk to this girl dude um but great great summary of the movie olivia and isaac i'm, I'm glad y'all enjoyed it i enjoyed it as well um i don't know what we are doing for our next episode isaac let me uh if y'all can vamp for just a second i'll pull up our schedule All right. so um, um I don't know how this ranks up against um, some of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. I'll have to watch it again. I'm definitely going to rewatch it, um, just given the short runtime of it and how much I enjoyed it. My my favorite, of course, is The Big Lebowski. Olivia, do you have a favorite or favorites of the Coen Brothers? I I'm just I was just looking up my letterbox to try to figure out what my favorite one is. I I watched The Big Lebowski recently for the first time. Awesome. And it was 
so good. And I was really annoyed because the person I watched it with kept trying to like talk about it. And I was like, stop talking about it. I need to just sit and watch this movie. Um, this is why I don't do these movie hang things that <laughs> yeah. yeah if well, people watch yeah. movies with you they have to take an oath of silence yeah. or something yeah like, shut the hell yeah. up i'm trying to watch this it, yeah. yeah it'd be different if i had seen it before but i'm like bro i haven't seen this please please be quiet I'll try uh, to watch a movie with walter that's <laughs> crazy whoa come check for out our, our, producer check out like our youtube fly over after dark where me and walter <laughs> do that <laughs> and then you can watch a movie with me that is yeah. a smooth plug our next um no well yeah no our, the next bit of content that you'll be getting from me and Walter and the flyover team in general is the first episode of our heat commentary. So we're going to break it into two parts because heat is an incredible movie and it's also incredibly long. It's three hours long. Isn't there um, a director's cut as well? Possibly. I've never, I've never seen um, the director's cut. I've only seen it once, um, but that's going to be published either January 31st or February 1st or 2nd. So be on the lookout for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somewhere okay. in that window. Yep. It's a three-day window. It's fine. Yeah. And then um, our, we are doing... Um, wait, wait. When are we recording that? January 29th. Wait, you we expect talk- me to... You're going to me to edit that whole... Hold on. <laughs> no, just part one. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is like part one is... The movie's how long? Three hours? <laughs> yeah. So it's an hour and a half of editing. <laughs> well, I, Isaac, Isaac thinks really highly of me and my editing skills. I, I sure do. Anyway, <laughs> I guess that publishing uh, date is out the window. So just be on the lookout for Heat Part 1. No, it'll um, be soon. It's coming. Walter, did you say we might turn that into a podcast episode? Oh, yeah. No, I was saying, um, I said our, our latest Flyover After Dark, which was um, Nightmare Before Christmas, I thought was actually pretty good. And it ended up being like, I think it was close to like 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about putting it up as a podcast episode just because like, um, there we talk about a lot of stuff. We, we there, yeah. we actually don't really talk about the movie that much as we're watching it. So like, you don't really have to be watching, um, to get like the full effect of, of me and Isaac. So, um, yeah, but think about doing that. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, so, maybe not. Heat will be coming. Maybe, maybe not in podcast form, but definitely on, uh, YouTube, we're doing our top five rom-coms um, for in honor of Valentine's Day, the greatest day of the year. Um, okay. I'm being, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> I think Galentine's Day is the greatest day of the year. Am I right, ladies? Exactly. Um, that's going to be going up on Saturday the 12th. And then we may have time in our schedule in February for another um, flyover film. So we will um, discuss that. Awesome, awesome. Eric, yeah. great pick on Blood Simple. Um, way to go Wait, on that. Do we have one more thing we wanted to talk about? A new thing that we are implementing for a community? Yes. Oh, yeah, someone shit. someone take that. I am. Yeah, a, Eric, do you want to take Eric, that one? Actually? Eric, I'm take it. Prepared. All right, so be on the lookout on our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram for our link to our Discord community, Ooh. the Flyover film show we have a discord now yes it is discord popping off with the memes i try to post a meme daily um for levity and (laughs) it is for just anybody in the community to engage with us with each other and just have fun um and talk about movies or anything else that you want to talk about Mm -hmm. so be on the lookout for that 
Yep, we'll be posting links to that. We'd really, this is something that we've wanted to do for a little bit because I don't know, I don't speak for everybody maybe, but we um, would like to foster more of a community and have opportunities for people to, you know, to talk to us and for us to talk back to you. So um, I'm excited about it. Yes. Yep, it'll be a lot of fun. We uh, have access to it throughout the day, so we'd love to chat with y'all. So hop on there. It'll be fun. Um, y'all have any final comments? No, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we were able to watch and discuss Blood Simple. Um, it is currently streaming on HBO Max and the Criterion Channel. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think we highly recommend it as a group. As Absolutely. Essential. Absolutely. So. Isaac, could you wrap up the episode for us? Because I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you to Eric for this uh, awesome pick. This episode was produced by Walter Lyle. Our music is by Jordan Jocks. Our artwork is by Macy Lummis. Our next episode will be top five rom-cons around Valentine's Day. Our next flyover after dark will be heat part one at the end of this month slash the beginning of February. Thank you guys, Olivia, Walter, Eric. Y'all have a great night.